they're literally using food to fill themselves up because they feel empty in some way, whether that's depletion or emotionally, they feel empty from feeling isolated or alone. This is the Begin Within podcast, where we believe real, lasting health and fitness requires you to start inside before you work out. I'm your host, Nate Slegger, and I'm here to show you behind the scenes of fitness. You already know exercise is good for you, but what about all the other things in life that affect your fitness? If you're looking for extra motivation to get started or to make sure you keep going, this is the place for you. Produced by BeginWithin.fit Could you do me a huge favor? That will only take you a few seconds. Could you help me to get this show discovered by more people who could benefit from it? You're thinking, yes, I want to help, but how do I do it? Here's how you do it. Please make sure that you are following the Begin Within podcast on whatever podcast listening platform that you are on right now, and also give it a rating. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please take 30 seconds to write a quick review about how much you love this show. If you've already done this, Thank you so much, and if you're about to do it, thank you as well. Now, let's get into our episode. Have you been fighting with food? Do you know what I mean when I say that? Does your journey to better health look something like restricting food? Then having really intense cravings? And then overeating. If you've been fighting with food like this, then you are going to really enjoy my interview today with Laura Folks. She is a certified holistic health coach who helps her clients to make a truce with food in order to stop fighting with it. She helps them to transform their lives by transforming their relationship with food. That way, they don't feel deprived and they can receive sustainable results. Here are a few things that I'm going to ask you to listen for as we go through the interview. First of all, I want you to listen for the signs that Laura talks about that may indicate that you have some work to do. And Maybe you're here because you already know you have some work to do. That's fine. Listen to those signs because it will give you some insight into what is going on behind the scenes so that you can notice the reasons that you have been fighting with food. I also want you to listen for um, the idea of curiosity and how important that is in the process and Most importantly, when we start talking about the cycle, I want you to really focus in on that. Focus in when you start to hear Laura talk about cycle. 
Listen very carefully to the cycle that she describes and listen for how she explains that you can begin to make progress in your own relationship with food. I will chat with you for just a few minutes at the end of the interview, but here is my interview with Laura Folks. Looking back, I didn't really think about what my relationship with food was like early on, but I struggled with my weight from the age of 12. And looking back, I would say that my relationship with food was really strained, um, where I was thinking about it a lot. I was constantly thinking about my body, my weight, my, after I got a little bit later, like into my twenties, that's where I was consumed by the thought of food. So I would think about like what I was going to have for my next meal. I would think about if I was going to be out for a while, I would kind of be a little bit afraid of what would happen if I would get hungry and I didn't have food on hand and would also daydream about what I was going to eat or, Mm. you know, think about, and it was kind of like an all or nothing too. I was either thinking about it all the time or I wasn't thinking about it. And then I was overindulging. So, and I was kind of like on automatic pilot where I would stuff my face basically of having like something sweet and then something salty and then something sweet again. And I kind of say it was like blacking out in a way where I wouldn't even realize what I was doing. And then I would like come to again and realize I had just eaten a lot of food and had no idea why I did it, how much I had just eaten. And it was kind of just like, what just happened? What did I just do? And then that's when the guilt and shame would set in. So that was, that was how my relationship with food was for a really long time until I ended up, I was struggling with my weight for years, did multiple diets starting at the age of 12 and, um, finally lost 60 pounds in 2008. And even after losing the weight, I still was in that cycle where I would eat well for a while, eat whatever I wanted, then have to rein it back in again. I would sabotage myself, go through that cycle of, um, kind of going into automatic pilot and blacking out. Okay. Um, I don't know if blacking out sounds <laughs> really extreme, but, um, kind of like a fog. Yeah. Uh, kind of losing awareness and just yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's a better way of putting it. Losing awareness. I, don't, I like blacking <laughs> out. I think it's, it's, I don't know. It's powerful. I mean, if that's what it was for you, that's, that's what it was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so after I lost the weight, um, was maintaining it for a while, but still in that self-sabotage cycle. And it was more quote unquote controlled where I would put on like two pounds, take that off. So it wasn't as big of like weight swings per se, but it, it was still a, strange relationship with food. And it wasn't until I started getting my certification and uh, for uh, as to become a health coach, I was introduced to my health coach who I learned about her process and program called truce with food. And it was really eye-opening to me because the whole approach is not really about the food. I had been so focused on how to control my eating and my food intake and having the like viewing food as different foods as good and bad and which ones I should stay away from, which ones I could eat, shouldn't eat, how I could like, it almost felt like a game, right? It's Mm -hmm. like, how much can I, what can I eat that won't push me over like my calories or my points if I was doing Weight Watchers at the time and learning that it wasn't just about the food and that there was 
some, there was a reason that I was actually turning to food Hmm. for, as a form of protection and like safety, safety and more, um, for emotional reasons. I never thought of myself as an emotional eater, but learned that there were emotional reasons that I was turning to food. And that's when things really shifted for me. And, um, now I would say my relationship with food is more neutral. I don't overindulge. I, if I do find myself slipping into some of like overeating patterns or not like, and they're not extreme. It's like, if I snack more than I feel like I want to, mm-hmm. um, that's when I'm like, oh, okay, there must be something else that's going on here that I must be feeling threatened at threat or at mm-hmm. risk in some way emotionally. So I have so much more awareness and clarity as around my eating patterns and my relationship with food. And it's just much, it's just calmer and much more. Um, it's just, I think calm and ease almost Mm -hmm. and in choice around my food choices. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I almost, I feel like as I'm listening, it's like, there's less judgment now where it's, and we we talked about this a couple interviews. I had a go about like curiosity around our behaviors. And I, I heard that too, where you're like, Oh, I just snacked like interesting. Like, I wonder what's going on. Right. Yes. Hmm. Way less judgment. And now having that curiosity brings clarity and awareness, which then allows you to be more in control because now you're more in choice over the food choices. Cause again, it's not, the food is a symptom of Hmm. something else that's happening and having that clarity and awareness and being able to take a step back and pause and see where is my unaligned eating coming from, as opposed Mm -hmm. to I'm failing, I'm the one that's losing my willpower or discipline. And now being able to see that it's not about that, that there's other things at play is super freeing. Yeah. Hmm. I like it. Wow. And it, it, there's like this sense of like, with that awareness, it seems like was kind of the shift for you. Is that, is that fair to say? Absolutely. Yeah. And the awareness came really from, I mean, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of Mm -hmm. deep and hard work. Um, But for me, my awareness was really around, and I'm sure we'll get into talking about the cycle of self-sabotage and when we feel like we're lacking willpower and discipline. But a big part of that is I was bullied when I was in middle school and high school. And I always thought that that made me stronger and made me um, much more empathetic and just my go-getting attitude. And like, when I put my mind to something, I can make it happen. And that wasn't always happening around food and my weight, which was kind of confusing. But what I learned was how much, when we talk about feeling at risk or, um, feeling like that emotional lack of safety, being bullied, strips, like not strips you of that, but like, it can really have an impact on mm-hmm. that. Right. Cause my belonging was at threat. And so I never realized how much being bullied actually did have an impact on me. And when I learned that my whole story was feeling at risk of being misunderstood, it was a huge game changer to see how much that story and being bullied was still controlling me, not controlling me, but like keeping me stuck, mm-hmm. um, as an adult, when, I would receive an email for, from 
a boss or a client or something when I was working in advertising and I felt misunderstood, that would trigger me and I wouldn't realize it. You know, you mm. might get like, when I read the email, I might get like my a pit in my stomach or my stomach would drop. Mm-hmm. But I just thought like, this is stressful, but I didn't realize what was underneath that stress. And if I got that email, I'm sure that's when I would fall into that food, like going like blacking out after having multiple days, like multiple times of the day where I might have been at risk for being misunderstood. That's when I would sabotage Mm -hmm. and turn to food without realizing it. So having that clarity and awareness of what was actually leading to the food being the symptom was super eye-opening and also relieved me and reduced like that guilt and shame that I was experiencing. Mm -hmm. Cause it's like, okay, this is why that's happening. Yeah, man. I, I think so often about how food is, I mean, it's so it's cool, right? It's it's like a miracle substance for us, but like also when it comes to what it can do for us emotionally, it, you know, to bridge the gap from, like you, you know, what you've gone through, like food. Wow. Right. Um, I'm, I'm curious and you don't, you can just tell me like, let's not talk about that. Um, I'm curious I'm to know. So okay. With being vulnerable and okay. sharing stuff. I love it. Thank you. Um, as you've become more aware of that, that connection, like the belonging and how food was kind of, um, allowing you to have what you needed in those times in your life has your adjustment in your relationship with food affected that um that area of of belonging where i guess what i'm trying to say is have you noticed that having addressed the food side of things that now just in terms of you know emotional ability to cope with those, you know, threats. I think we all feel them yeah. from time to time. How, how has that changed? There's a question in there somewhere, right? <laughs> so it's kind of like a chicken or an egg thing, right? Is it that we're addressing the food or is we're addressing the, where you feel at risk and then the food yeah. kind of corrects. And so it's really what we're doing is when we're looking at food as the symptom of what's happening, what I did for myself and what I work with my clients on is first of all, identifying where they're feeling most at risk and unsafe, like Mm -hmm. lacking the safety. And then once we know that, then it's, we ultimately want to get to testing new behaviors. So it's building resilience. It's seeing, are you really at risk? Because we are functioning from a place of, um, what we've been conditioned or how we are trying to protect ourselves, but the way we're trying to protect ourselves is no longer serving us. Right. Mm. In, in some cases, especially when I was feeling misunderstood. So when I started my business, talk about putting yourself out there, being vulnerable, having a huge level of uncertainty and the vulnerability of potentially being misunderstood. Right. Cause I'm going on social media I'm putting Mm -hmm. myself out there. And so it's, testing new behaviors to see and looking at concrete data or information of, am I really being misunderstood or is this just me feeling at risk in some way and trying to protect myself from not being misunderstood? And so as we do that and test new behaviors, build the resilience, 
get more comfortable with uncertainty and vulnerability, the food tends to correct in a way. And so what happened for me is as I was working through the first thing that actually shifted for me before the food and food was happening at the same time, but I would come home and have a glass of wine or two with dinner. And when we would go out, I felt like, you know, to fit kind of to fit in socially and have a glass or two or three of wine. When I was out with people, wine was no longer interesting to me. And when I would drink it, I was what I, when I used to like Sauvignon Blanc, I would have a glass and just not really enjoy it. And so <laughs> wine was actually the first thing that fell by the kind of fell by the wayside. And then as I was doing the work, when I started to crave carrots, instead of having a donut, or I used to love Twizzlers and, you know, gummy ca- candies and when I would eat that and it didn't taste good. And the first time I threw away a Twizzler, cause I was like, this doesn't even taste good to me. I was like, something is happening and something, is, something is shifting. So yeah. the cool thing is, is that we're not focused on what you can and can't eat. It's more of, we move more to eating in, naturally in alignment with our goals, as opposed to having to resist food, having to deprive ourselves. I still eat pizza. I still have cake or cookies and stuff. And people are surprised when I say like, I'll buy a cookie and it will last me for four or five days because I'll eat one bite or two bites and move on from it. And I enjoy it. I savor it, but I don't need to eat four or five or even the whole thing at once. Mm. And so that's pretty cool to see how our eating can just adjust based on when we're working through our stories and testing these new behaviors, building our resilience. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I want to, I, I think maybe w- let's talk about self-sabotage. I know you mentioned yeah. it. Um, and I her, the word safety, when you used it, I could tell like, okay, this, this is an important concept to the work that you do. And I have, I guess I haven't really thought about how important like that, like safety is, but now it makes sense to me. Like when I, when I'm not feeling safe, having a full belly of stuff I really love is gonna help me feel, I feel content. I feel safe again. So is how, is that connected with the self-sabotage? The, I guess let's, let's dig into that. Like just why we self-sabotage, how it works with safety. Um, how, how does, how does your work with your clients, um, touch on those different aspects of sabotage and safety. Yeah. So I'll answer that, um, by walking through a prosper cycle that we're often going through when we're self-sabotaging. But before I get to that, I just wanted to touch on something that you said where, you know, if you're feeling unsafe in some way and filling yourself up with food, it's really interesting because a lot of times clients who overindulge or binge, when we talk about what might have led to that and asking if they're feeling depleted in some way, or they're feeling, um, if they're feeling isolated or lonely and they're feeling empty almost, then food is like, food can be a metaphor for how we're feeling in life often. Mm. And so there have been many clients where we talk about how they're literally using food to fill themselves up because they feel empty in some way, whether that's depletion or, uh, emotionally, they feel empty from feeling isolated or alone. So mm. well, I just wanted to mention, so that's yeah. one piece of it. Interesting. Um, but I think 
one, what is helpful for a lot of people when we talk through this is when we are emotionally eating, self-sabotaging, or even eating when we're bored, just anytime we're eating out of alignment with our goals, we're typically in a cycle. And I can go into this in a lot of detail, but um, because we have a limited amount of time, I'll just touch on it at a high level. And okay. it's on my website. So if anybody wants to dive a little bit deeper into it, feel free to go to my website, um, laurabfolks.com. So the cycle starts with a trigger and there are four common triggers, which are feeling tired, anxious, inadequate, or lonely. And really quickly, I was just talking about depletion. So feeling yeah. tired can be emotional or physical depletion. Anxious is typically comes with a level of uncertainty. Feeling inadequate might feel be feeling not good enough or not enough in certain areas, not necessarily in all areas of life. And then feeling lonely can, even when we have a good support system, we can still feel isolated, alone, or lonely. From there, we have a story. And I already talked about my story of not wanting to feel misunderstood because then I might be at risk of failing and end up alone. Okay. Um, and that's usually happens earlier in life. And then it serves us in some ways, but doesn't keeps us stuck in others. From there, we have a stress response. And animals go into fight, flight, or freeze mode when they're at physical threat. And we go into compete, accommodate, or avoid mode when we are at emotional threat. And that's when our, belong our, our belonging is at threat in some or at risk in some way. And then from there, we have a behavior. And the behavior will vary by person and which stress re reaction that they're in. But for compete, that's usually comparing themselves one yourself to another person, whether that's their body or uh, skill set. It can also be comparing yourself to a past version of yourself. And often competitors feel like they are, when in the compete mode, they feel like they're falling behind a lot and need to like catch up, but the finish line keeps moving. The accommodate mode leads to people pleasing, fixing, typically putting everybody else's needs ahead of your own, falling off of your own to-do list. And the avoid mode leads to procrastination, building up things, and then not taking action because it they fall into analysis paralysis. So we have the trigger, the story, the stress response behavior. We eat out of alignment with our goals. We lose self-trust, and then it loops back into the trigger. So a lot of times people will say they feel like they're on a roller coaster or a merry-go-round that they can't get off of. And that's usually the cycle that they're in that is leading to self-sabotage. Wow. That's really cool. I, I'm going to have to go and I'll link to it in the show notes to your site because yeah, I feel like I want to read back, read back it's through that. It's awesome. No, that's really, that's really great. And I think super helpful. I, you know, I, I can see as, as others are listening, you know, there's just little, there's things that you said that, uh, Oh, like, I just feel like my heart just like, Oh, lights up like, Oh, that's me. Oh, that one's me. Um, so thank you. Thanks for, for going through that. Um, even hearing that, does that give you a little bit, like when you're thinking like, Oh, that's me. And that's me. Does it relieve? I don't know if you ever experienced like guilt or shame or any, like, um, I never you know? do. I don't even know what those words mean. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but just by hearing and being able to label it, is it like, oh, okay, there's a reason for that. And like, does it give you a little bit of like a breath of fresh air in a way? Yeah. So clients feel a little relieved to know that yeah, there's I think a so. reason. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think, I mean, labeling, right. Once we have a label, we can sort it. And 
uh, yeah, understand it better. It helps with, mm-hmm. like we talked about that awareness. So yeah, absolutely. Um, what would you recommend? So let's just say some, someone's listening and they're just like a few things here. Oh, that's me. Oh, that's me. Um, what would you recommend as, as the best first step for someone who's also thinking I'm a blank slate when it comes to health and this journey, I need to get started. What, what's the best first step in your opinion? The best first step I think is to really get clear on like, what is your goal and like, what do you want to accomplish? And also thinking about what type of support would be helpful for you to work towards that. Um, and then doing your research because there are so many different types of support out there. Um, and if you're looking for a coach or, um, somebody to work with one-on-one, whether that's a dietitian, a nutritionist, a personal trainer, don't be afraid to interview and make sure it's a good fit for you based on what you want to accomplish as well as their approach, making sure that it is a good fit personality wise, because especially if you're going to do work, like I do with my clients, that's like the emotional work, you have to have that connection and trust the person that you're going to be working with. Um, so even though it takes a little bit of work at the beginning, I would say definitely doing some research and figuring out what is the right approach for you is going to help you get the best results as opposed to just like diving into, oh, my friend told me that they've been doing X diet. So I'm going to try that too. But is that really going to help you reach the goals that you really want to accomplish? Gotcha. So focusing on what specific goal you have and then being really careful about the support that you get. Yeah. And making sure that the support is aligned with what is going to be most helpful for you based on your goals. Okay. And then if you're wanting to take that first step in terms of figuring out your self-sabotage patterns, there's, I have a workbook on my website with, um, figuring out what your triggers are from that cycle, but even taking a step, like a higher level step back from that is if you find that you're eating out of alignment with your goals, you're having that guilt, that shame, anything that's coming up after overeating or stress eating, emotional eating, just pausing can be really helpful after the fact to, and reflecting on where was I feeling unsettled? So a lot of times we just feel unsettled and are using food, like we were talking about earlier to fill ourselves or ground ourselves in some way and being able to identify what led me to, or you to feel unsettled can be really helpful to just give a little bit more clarity and awareness as to what your patterns are and what is leading you to eat. So I wanted to answer that from Mm -hmm. both ways of like somebody who's just getting started in general. But then also if you're wanting to explore your relationship with food a little bit more, that can be one starting point as well. I love it. Yeah. I think that's great. Um, what's, what would be the best way? I know we talked about your site a couple of times, your workbook. Awesome. We'll link it up in the show notes. Um, the best way to follow your work, stay in, stay in contact with you. What yeah, I'm on all the social media channels, of course. Um, and then I also have a free community. So if you could use some support around your relationship with food, it's um, called the behind your cravings community. Um, I'm sure we'll include a link to that as well. Yeah. There's, you can get support from me and a great 
community of people as well who are going through similar challenges. And we, it's not only talking about heavy stuff, we do have some fun in there. Um, and there's inspiration in there. We talk about, we do um, explore your triggers and like what's happening as well as have some fun and laughs in there too. So would love to have you join us. Awesome. Cool. Thank you. Laurel folks. Thank you so much. Thank you. I want to thank Laura once again for being a guest here on the show this week. All the things that we mentioned and then some are going to be linked for you in the show notes for you to check out her site and get access to her work so that you can follow it. In wrapping up today, I just want to revisit one thing that she talked about that I think is so important when it comes to getting a handle on this process and maybe getting handles the wrong way to 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 talk about it but it's the idea of how to begin making progress in um, improving our relationship with food if it's something that is um, not in alignment with the goals that we have because so often we have these great intentions, right? We have this diet that we're going to stick to or these foods that we're going to avoid. And then what ends up happening is we do the thing that we're not supposed to do on the diet or we eat the foods that are supposed to be bad for us. And then we want to hide a little bit. We don't want to think about it. We feel, you know, those feelings that she talked about. She asked me and I kind of laughed it off, right? Feeling shame, feeling guilt. And then, right, those feelings go away after maybe a day or two or weeks or sometimes months. And we give it another try and the cycle repeats itself. How do you how do you begin to get some traction, right? How do you begin to get some forward forward momentum in that whole process? Because when we have an opportunity to learn, so often is when we're feeling really negatively and it's the time that we just don't even want to pay attention to it. We don't even want to think about it because it's a source of negative feelings for us. I want you to get used to the idea of learning in those moments. Get used to the idea of, of learning from those times when you feel like you failed, when things didn't go the way that you planned or that you intended for them to go. Start to honestly capture those moments as some of the best moments for you to learn more about yourself. And that question that she shared with us in the interview after the fact, after you have the food you you know that were bad or you you fell off the diet, like whatever the case is, and you know if, if this is not your first time here listening to the show, that we encourage like so many of the experts to take very small steps toward changing your lifestyle through habits, through systems 
through routines and not on good and bad lists of foods or sticking to a diet that you're either on the diet or off the diet. Um, but when you're in those moments where you feel like, oh, I lost it, so important to realize that is an opportunity to learn. That is an opportunity to start to notice this pattern, to start to notice the cycle that Laura talked about. That is time to pause and ask, where did this come from? Where was I feeling unsettled prior to making those decisions? As soon as you become aware that, hey, I'm not doing things the way I intended to do them. First of all, some self-compassion is necessary. It's okay. Especially if you learn in those moments when it comes to getting better with your relationship with food. So when it happens, pause and ask, where did this come from? Where was I feeling unsettled? What in my life was going on? One of the biggest, best things that we can do in the process of changing habits and changing behaviors is to start to shine the light of awareness onto these things. And that's what it's all about. Like we talked about, put being able to put some labels on things, being able to identify aspects of the cycle. It helps us to be able to shine the light of awareness, to really see what's happening, not in the moment as we're experiencing it, but from another perspective to really take a look. And when we do that, it's such a healthy process and it enables us to learn about ourselves. When we learn about ourselves, then we can grow. And when we grow, we change. And when we change, the old behaviors don't fit the new person anymore. It's all about repetition through that process. It's all about going through that process over and over and over again to learn, to grow, and to change. I'm so happy that you are here with me in the process of learning and growing. I hope that this interview was really valuable for you as you know it was for me. I can't wait to talk to you again next week here on the Begin Within podcast. If you are tired of feeling frustrated and disappointed with fitness and you're ready to get on the path to being the healthy person you want to be, just go to beginwithin.fit and click the Join Our Challenge button. We can't wait to support you in your fitness journey and help you to get the results you deserve.